Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hi, I'm Liz Swadek, and welcome to the first episode of Conversations with Warrior Women. Each week, we will be talking to women who are leaping for greatness personally and professionally. They will tell us how they started, how they keep going, and how they made things happen. We want to inspire you to take on your goals like a warrior. Listen closely, because all of these women have moments when they want to give up, thought they couldn't go on, or ask themselves, what am I doing? These are what I call the drinking in the driveway moments, as I call them, yes, and they pass if you keep going. So here we are together. It's our first episode, and some of you may know me as the founder of The Warrior Moms, an online community that was created five years ago to inspire moms and create connection. We decided with this podcast, we wanted to open up. We wanted to open up this conversation to all women. I think all women are warriors. We are tougher and more resilient than we know. You are now part of the Warrior Woman community, so welcome. Reach out to me anytime with your thoughts or comments and get ready to learn, be inspired, and have a few laughs. But before we can get to our first Warrior Woman, we have to thank our first sponsor. Ah, we will never forget our first sponsor because it was our first yes. You guys know how hard it is to get a yes. So the honor goes to Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop in Encino. Claudine's is where I do all my meetings, my breakfasts, my lunches with girlfriends, and where I take out a fabulous meal for dinner because God knows I am not cooking every night of the week. Claudine's has this amazing neighborhood feeling. It's bright and cheerful, and the food is diverse, and it's divine. It's diverse and divine. My favorite thing, Claudine's, just to prove I go there, the truffled eggs and mushrooms on toast. Oh, and I had to give up dairy, so I can't even have it. Although I do sometimes just get the mushrooms on the toast and I don't get the cheese. But let me just say, it's the best thing in the world. I love it. They are located at 16350 Ventura Boulevard, Encino, California, 91436. Tell them Liz sent you. Okay, guys, before we get to our guests, Because it's our first show, I wanted to tell you why I started this podcast. I had been wanting to start a podcast and even having people to tell me to start a podcast, but I always had an excuse. The truth is, I was terrified. I didn't really know what a podcast was or where you even find one. I was embarrassed to even ask. Then I was hosting a women's empowerment event with the Warrior Moms and Tiffany Smiley from More Than Me, and she'll be on in a later podcast. And I met this woman named Tina Battaglia. And Tina was one of the speakers. Not only did Tina admit that she wanted to start a podcast, but she said she didn't even know what she was going to do, how she was going to do it. Nothing. That was it. It gave me the courage. I started listening to podcasts. I figured it out. And I realized that everyone was right. I loved them. Also at this women's event, because this is what happens when you put it into the universe, I met this girl named Becky. Guess what Becky does? She helps people start podcasts. 
after meeting her and after setting some high achieving goals for 2020, I decided to do it. The road to this podcast has been a big learning curve full of self-doubt and a lot of mistakes, but guess what? I'm here. I love the process of putting together the podcast so much that now I work with Becky and I help other people start podcasts. I love helping people, encouraging them, fleshing out their show ideas, helping them write scripts. I am officially podcast obsessed. I love podcasts. Thank you for tuning in today. Are you ready to meet our first warrior woman? I am. Today, today we have the honor of speaking to Joanne Lord. Let me tell you about Jo because she's my friend. Joanne Lord began her career in San Francisco, California. She started on the wholesale side of the business, representing accessories and jewelry lines after graduating from the University of Washington in Seattle. After a few years, she transitioned to the retail buying world and became a buyer for DMM, GMM. Oh no, you were a buyer, a DMM. She's going to tell us what all these means because you think I know. A DMM, a GMM, and a VP of merchandising for companies, including Urban Outfitters, Guests by Marciano, BB, and New York and Company. Today, Joanne comes full circle with the launch of Molly and Lily, a line of stylish functional bags and accessories using vegan-friendly materials. Designed with busy women in mind, and I know because I have all her bags, and let me tell you, I'm busy. Um, the collection is made to be worn from day to night and go everywhere in between thanks to its carefully designed pieces. Backpacks, waist bags, card cases, and the crossbody styles featuring functional details. Named after her two daughters, Molly and Lily offers trend-led accessories that strike the perfect balance between sophisticated and playful. Molly and Lily is designed in Los Angeles and made of quality vegan leather and novelty fabrications. Molly and Lily is PETA-approved vegan. And welcome to the show, Joanne Lord. Thank you, Liz. Thank you so much. So excited for you. I, lo I love this. I mean, I told Joe, I think I scared Joe to death because I wanted Joe to be my first. I could get emotional, Joe. <laughs> oh my God. I, I wanted you to be my first guest because you're oh so, my God. you care so much about women and you're so I love you. encouraging of women. And that's oh. why. Oh, well, I am, I am so proud of you. This is so exciting, Liz. And I'm just so proud of all of these amazing projects and endeavors that you take on. You, um, you know, I always call you, you are our social chair. You are the one that gets us all together. And, and this is just, it's amazing. It's perfect. I mean, it's, it's so natural for you to be doing this. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for being on the show because you're such an encourager and I love you. Okay. Enough gushy mushy. Oh, I all love right. you. Joanne. You embody what I think of when I think of a warrior woman. You've risen through the shark-infested waters of the fashion world. You've started your own fashion line. So take us back to when you were like our girl's age. What did you think you were going to do? So crazy. Well, you know, my girls now, they're eight and 13, yeah. uh, Molly and Lily. Molly is in seventh grade and Lily is in second grade. And, you know, when I was their age, even at eight years old, I knew I loved fashion. I knew that I had to work in fashion. I knew I had to do something fashion related, that it would be my career. Um, I think I part of it that. was, yeah, you know, I, I think really part of it was I, I went to Catholic school and I had to wear a uniform every day. And, you know, it was so uncreative and I loved clothing and I loved fashion. And every once in a while we would have these free dress days, maybe once every month or once every two months. And I would... I would spend weeks planning and styling and trying to figure <laughs> out the perfect outfit. 
to wear on this one day, you know, and I would do it and my friends would do it, but I was always kind of like the, the lead stylist, you know, in getting the outfits together. So I think it really, I mean, it started at a young age, um, you know, so it's interesting because as a second generation Asian American, um, you know, my, my parents, my dad is a doctor and my mom was a nurse when they met, they met in Newark, New Jersey. And as a second generation Asian American, I think it was almost a given that I would be a doctor, but yeah, you know, it's, I hate to be stereotypical, but you know, they're here, they're immigrants and that happens. That happens. Well, yes, yes. But I think, you know, immigrants from, from Asia, from Thailand and the Philippines. And, you know, my dad really, at one point, they really wanted me to go into medicine. And that was what our conversations were. We were, we were doctor's kids and all of us kids, it was, you know, it would go without saying that we would just end up studying to be a doctor. But I knew in my heart of hearts at such a young age that I had no interest in medicine. Did you tell them this? Did you tell them? Yeah. No way. They knew, they knew. I mean, I think once, you know, I was a little older, maybe, um, you know, elementary school, but maybe fourth, fifth grade, I was, I felt confident enough to, you know, tell them, no, that's not what I want to do. And fortunately, my mom left nursing um, after a few years of doing it, after a few years of starting my, helping my dad start his practice. She ended up leaving nursing because she wanted to be, do something different. She was an entrepreneur. So at one point she had a travel agency. At one point she had a gift shop oh and a Thai God, restaurant. What a it is. And so for you. Yes. So that really helped because she was able to transition out of nursing, out of the medical field. And my dad was all for it. She wanted to have her own business and, you know, she wanted to have really the flexibility. She wanted the flexibility to be able to raise her kids and take, pick us up from school, take us to games, to cheerleading practice, to whatever it was. So because she did that, I think that they became, you know, more open to it yeah. and more accepting, yeah. you know, and, and really at the end of the day, it was my dad, you know, just, he, he would just say that we had to just be the best, be the best at whatever we decide to choose. Well, that's a great attitude. And I'm proud of your dad for adopting that. Um, I did joke about the shark infested waters, but I want to know because we've all seen Devil Wears Prada and you know, I am not in the fashion business, Joe, not in the slightest. Oh yes. I rely on you to style me. Um, we've seen the Devil Wears Prada. Have you ever had a Miranda Priestley-esque boss or someone you work with to contend with? Is this real? Is the Miranda Priestley thing real? You know, there is a lot of truth to it. I have to say there is <laughs> oh a God. lot of truth. Oh my I mean, God. Mar- Miranda Priestley is a very unique character, but I will say I have had many bosses throughout my corporate buying career that have had, you know, characteristics and traits of a Miranda Priestley. But honestly, in a way, it's like, there's, there's good reason to it too. You know, when you work in this crazy fashion industry, especially when I was starting out my career on the buying side, you know, with specialty retail, retail has changed so much in the last 10, 15 years. And when I started it out over 20 years ago, it was very competitive. I mean, it was super competitive. You always had to be the best, the first timing was everything. There were never enough hours in a day. So, you know, looking at this Miranda Priestley character, crazy character, over-the-top character, but a lot of, I, I can see in so many ways the good reason she was the way she was. Yeah. Well, we got a window into her too, right? Because at the end of the movie, you saw she was 
really holding it together with a very thin thread. Like she seemed like she had it all together, but she was yes. holding it together with a very thin thread and, and was constantly in threat of her job being taken from her. So like she had to contend with that all the time and then be the best and know exactly. the trends and know what's coming first. So, and be a mom and be a wife. Yes, yes. Well, what, tell us about maybe one of, you don't have to name a name, but tell us about maybe a great boss that you had maybe early on that kind of inspired you, that maybe the path that you chose. So, you know, I was fortunate that really my, I would say the best boss who today is one of my dearest friends and mentor, um, I met him in my first hey, buying you talk role. about my favorite one with the cute shiny face? Oh, you've cute. met him. Yes, you have met oh, him. Oh, no, he's got the cutest the, face. He's, he's the best. He's, he's the, the shiniest, absolute cutest face I've ever seen. Yes, and I have worked for him. Shall we say his name? I've worked yes. for him yes. four times throughout my career. Greg Scott, and he is fabulous. You met him at one of my parties, yes. and he is—he has been the CEO of New York and Company, um, based in New York, and he is just absolutely amazing, incredible, a dear friend, and my mentor in the industry. I have learned so much from him over the years, and you know, I feel so fortunate that I worked for him. My first, my first buying role. Uh, he hired me as an associate buyer and really believed in me and really trained me. And, you know, within six months promoted me to a full buyer, to a full merchant. Wow. And that, that was years ago in San Francisco. And he really, um, you know, I've worked for him four times, three times, four times. What is it about him? My career. What has he taught you? What do you think if you had to, I mean, there's so many things, but like, if you had to kind of come up with like a couple overarching things, the things he taught you, like, what would you say? Yes. You know, he definitely, he challenges you and pushes you, but in all the right ways. You know, we, we would joke, all of us that have worked for him in the past, I mean, it was a very special team in many teams over the years, and we all felt the same, all of us reporting into him. He had this very unique way of managing people and getting people motivated. So he, yes, he has a lot of these Miranda Priestly characteristics, but yes. in, in the, the, good, the good part of it. Good side, you know, the good side. The good side, Absolutely but he could just motivate you and want you to do your best and be the best and, and do your best for the company. But in a weird way, we were almost doing it for Greg. Like we would do it for him. And so many of my counterparts um, all feel the same way. You know, the best, the best teams and the best roles that I've had throughout my career in the corporate buying world were all when I was part of his team. Right. You know, we, we would work late nights, sometimes till 11 p.m., yeah. 11 p.m. the night before a two-day buy meeting and we did it. We just made it happen and we stayed and we would we were exhausted. You know, we'd have to show up early the next morning and be on, but yeah. he could motivate us to do it. That's amazing. Tell me what I know you you've been in the fashion world forever it seems like. You you've had a lot of incarnations. Tell me what made you decide to write to write to start your own fashion brand Molly and Lily. Because that's a scary leap, Joe. That's not just yeah. like, you, you know, you're very well respected in your business. So when you make a leap like that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a scary move. Well, you know, it kind of happens. Um, it, it happened very organic and naturally. You know, I have always worked in the corporate world. The majority of my 20 plus years, I was on, you know, worked for publicly traded companies, corporate role. And I really liked that. Was used to getting paid every two weeks, you know, it was very low risk for me and I could climb that corporate ladder. And I loved it. And that's what I knew. But in the back of my mind, I always felt like I wanted to do my own thing. I really wanted to have my own thing. 
And um, it was kind of a combination. The timing was a combination. One, as you know, my girls were getting older and their schedules were getting busier. Working a corporate role did not allow me to be able to pick up and take them to activities or have play dates and be social with the other moms, which you know me, we love to be social. I mean, you are the social leader. (laughs) And I couldn't miss out on those things. You know, I had to be part of it. And, and, you know, I'm so happy I did that because I look at this, this tribe and of women, of friends, you know, this big group that we have. And had I been working full time, I would not have been able to do it. So part of it was really kind of the evolution of what was happening in my life. And then really the second part that really pushed me to kind of make this change and start my own thing was, um, after I was diagnosed with breast cancer about five years ago, six years ago, uh, I decided that, you know, I needed to have the flexibility. And so I consulted for a number of years, for a couple of years. And fortunately I was able to find these amazing consulting gigs where I would work two to three days a week and have flexibility or work from home. So with that, you know, I knew, okay, I've got this great, I have this flexibility, but I also have the stability and the independence of doing what I love and having an income. Because at the end of the day, I can't not have my income. It's so used to what I've had my whole career. Yes. And I love that, you know, financial freedom and independence. So it was really timing. You know, one of my consulting jobs was um, for a handbag manufacturer named Imperia. And as I was working with them, you know, I was on the other side. I had, I've known the owner for over 10 years and had worked with them on the buying side. And now I was consulting with them on the wholesale side. So I had exposure to both, you know, both sides of the business with them. And as I was consulting with him and working with him and growing the business, I pitched this concept, you know, I saw white space in the market. I saw, I had this idea, you know, majority of my career, I worked in accessories and non-apparel. And so it was great being in handbags, being on the wholesale side. And I just, working with these big companies, Nordstrom, um, Free People, Urban Outfitters, um, you know, great companies. And I can speak the buyer language because I was on that side for so many years. And now developing product with the buying teams, I could see the white space of what was needed or what might really be popular and accepted and take off. And that's when I decided to pitch the concept of Molly Lily. And so when I pitched this um, two years ago, two and a half years ago, you know, it was my, the main concept and idea was we're all busy women and we're all multitasking women. And so I wanted to pitch a line of, I wanted to develop a line of really cool bags and accessories that allowed you to be hands-free. Yeah. So the timing was perfect. It was before the belt bag trend really took off. Mm -hmm. And that was the first bag that I developed. And that's what I launched with. So I think I had my first set of samples June, 2017. And by October, 2017, we had like 10 styles on Nordstrom.com. That, that is a mind blower. I mean, I remember when that happened and I was like, what? I mean, people dream their whole lives of getting a line into Nordstrom. Like the fact that you made that happen blew my mind. And, and, and honestly, I can say, you know, I have worked in this business for many years and I'm still blown away and I feel so fortunate. I knew it was great. I knew it was great. I knew the designs were great. I knew the concept was great, 
but it is, it's difficult to get into retailers, especially as a new brand. So, you know, I am so grateful that Nordstrom saw it and that they loved it and that they yes. put it, you know, on their site. And, and since then, you know, the, the product took off, it did really well. And then they put us in stores. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, me starting my own fashion brand, it was kind of, it was timing. Yeah. I, I had always wanted to do it, but I needed to make sure all the pieces were in place. Right. Everything kind of fell in place and allowed me to do it. Okay. Um, you yeah. know, and, and today, and, and today, you know, I'm still growing it. You which are. Which is exciting. You are. Yes. Well, you, you yeah. kind of mentioned this. You're a warrior woman you, and you're also a breast cancer warrior and survivor. And I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit. That was a crazy time. Crazy time, very unexpected, it's felt like. I just yes. felt like it just sort of came. I never forget when you told our group, and I, we, I just was like stunned. You know, I, it's, I guess in my mind, you know, the face of cancer is like an older person or the face of cancer. I don't know. You're just such a go-getter. You're so young. You're so vivacious. It just threw me for a loop. But I want to kind of talk, obviously, through you for a loop. So John, let's yes. talk about it. Yeah, let's yes. talk a little bit. It was, it was a crazy time and you were right there with me and our other two girlfriends, our Fab Four group. I mean, Katie's, our two Katie's, our two Katie's. It was a crazy time. It was 2014. And, um, I don't know if you remember, but at that time I was bi-coastal. I was a vice president yes. of merchandising at no, going, New York and working all, all the time back and forth. I back was. And forth. Yeah. I had just had my second child. I had just had Lily. Lily was two. I um, had an apartment in New York based in LA and I would fly to New York twice a month. Um, And it was the ideal situation, like ideal, two healthy kids, a husband who was also, you know, growing in his career. And I had this, I I got to have my amazing career and be bi-coastal and have my family. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, I, I knew I had to go in for my uh, annual checkup uh, breast cancer runs in my family. My mother at the time was diagnosed for the second time with breast cancer in 2000, 2012, 2013, right after Lily was born. Um, since then she was diagnosed for the third time, but I knew I had to go in because I was high risk. And I knew that, um, I had to schedule having a preventative, uh, surgery. And so I actually had gone in to start doing this. And unfortunately, I was a little too late. They found a small lump in my breast, very, very tiny, stage one cancer. But because I am a BRCA gene carrier, um, the treatment was very aggressive. Yes. And I mean, my at the time, I felt like I was on top of the world. Everything was in place professionally, personally. And then all of a sudden to get this news, I felt like my life just completely fell apart in one second. Yeah. It, you know, it was the first time in my life where I felt like I was absolutely out of control. I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And it was crazy. It was very crazy. It was very emotional. I, you know, obviously I was worried about myself, but I couldn't help think about my kids, our kids. They were so young at the time. They were little. They were preschool and first grade. And, you know, my husband was traveling a lot for business. I was traveling, like everything just stopped in a second. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, it was a lot of mixed emotions. I mean, shock, depression. Um, I think shock really, I would say for two weeks, I was probably incredibly shocked and just, I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't see anyone. I, I couldn't deal. I didn't know what to do. And then was the wave of depression, you yeah. know, and no, but I always knew we had many tears and every time you would get upset, we would get upset. Or even when you weren't upset, we would get upset. We would just like cry all the time. Every time we were with you, we were ridiculous. So it was, we were just oh, so worried. We were so worried. Yeah. It was so emotional. It was such a crazy time. And, you know, I think I let myself feel these feelings, which I really needed to, which yeah. uh, was really great. I mean, fortunately I had the best friends. You our tribe, our group, my family, um, you know, so many great relatives were so supportive. My husband was absolutely were you, were you afraid to tell your work? I was very afraid to tell my work. I actually couldn't tell my work. I had Jeff uh, send an email and I, I was, I was numb. I was totally, completely numb. And I just didn't even know how what would, what it meant really, or what the treatment plan would be or what that meant for my career. I was completely numb. And, you know, I, I had to have my husband, um, email and call and give updates because yeah. I, I couldn't talk. I was too emotional. Right. You well, know, there's a lot of unknowns, of- a lot of unknowns that were going on then. I mean, once I feel like once you had a plan going, even though it was still scary as hell. Once you had a plan going, then it was yes. like, okay, I've got my plan. You know, I have my plan. Yes. Once I had that plan going, exactly. And, you know, it was aggressive, but once I had everything in place, I mean, it was so overwhelming, the doctors, the appointments, but once everything was in place, I could take a deep breath and I, I knew I had to be stronger than I had been ever before. Like I, I was looking at why I had to be strong. One, I would look in the mirror. I had to be strong for myself. I had to take care of myself for my kids, for my husband. Yes. Life was, life was not going to end. You know, and at that time it was very scary. I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but yes, we took control. I did the surgeries. I was in treatment for a year and, you know, with amazing support, we got through it and really having done that, I think in a lot of ways, it was a blessing that that happened. It happened early on. It was aggressive, but it happened early on. It was stage one. It happened while my kids were still young which I think was maybe an eye-opener or a reminder that I really need to kind of take a step back. My kids are only going to be this age once, and maybe I need to slow down a bit. Maybe I need to slow down. I was just going to say, I feel like that was a time where you were working a lot and crazy, and even though things were good, it was stressful. There was a lot of going back and forth. You had a lot on your plate. And so when this kind of just took you out at the knees, even though it was like the worst possible news ever, there was a part of me that said, you know what? I feel like you need to slow down. And you knew you needed to slow down, but you weren't going to slow down. Exactly. (laughs) You are so right. You weren't going to, Joe. I wasn't. This really made you slow down and reprioritize and really look at things differently. Absolutely. At this point, I had no choice. I had to slow down. I was forced to slow down. And that's why I say it was a blessing because I needed to be present for my kids. I needed to be present for my husband and I needed to be present just, you know, in life. for myself yes. in life. Yes. And I was traveling a lot. So with that happening, it helped put a lot in perspective. 
And, you know, as women, I want it all. I want my amazing career. I want to be an amazing mom. I want to be an amazing wife. And that's where I feel like we as women oftentimes face these challenges. You know, I want it all. But again, it's all about balance. And it's not easy. It's really not easy. No, it's not. Uh, Do you feel like, you know, if you meet somebody that's either says, you know, I'm going through it or I have gone through it, do you feel kind of like a sisterhood with these women now? Like now that you meet, if you meet people, because I've talked to people who have, you know, been through cancer and some of them are like, don't want to talk about it. Like it's a very kind of private thing. And then other ones I see, other women I talk to are like proud, like they're, you know, want to, want to help other people want to talk about it. Like, you know, I feel like you're more in that, in that camp. 100%. If it's a friend of a friend or, you know, a family friend, if I don't even, if I don't know them personally, oftentimes friends will reach out to me and ask if I can, you know, have a conversation. 100%. I want to be there to support as the women in my life or as the people in my life, the friends in my life were there to support me and to share the stories because sometimes, you know, you don't, you can't relate. It's harder to relate unless you've really gone through it. And you know, if I can help anyone get to the point where they feel like they're back in control and that it's going to be okay, then that is what I need to do. 100%. You're, you're, you're great that way. You're so great in that, in that regard, the way you, I mean, many a time I've had like a business question or something come up where I just, I really need to know your expertise. You always share every bit of it. You're so good that way. You share so much information. You're so encouraging. I, it always, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today. Switching gears a little bit, switching gears a little bit. I want to know like, what are the setbacks you've had to kind of overcome with creating your online? Because there's a lot that goes into that, that I think people kind of are a little bit scared when they are going to mm-hmm. start something like that. And there's a lot of unknowns. You obviously had the best possible scenario because you had it kind of lined up from both sides. You had the connections, you had a lot mm-hmm. knowing that other people mm-hmm. would not have. Um, yeah. That being said, what are the setbacks you've had to overcome? Well, there's definitely been some and, and it's, it's, you know, the perfect timing because I feel like I'm going through a big, um, a big change right now as we speak, but you know, having a partner. I want to know what that is. What's I know, I know. Well, having a partner in business is wonderful, especially if, you know, you each bring something very different to the table in business and you have different levels of expertise. And my business partner is wonderful and, you know, owns the manufacturing and I am the creative and the business development. And so it's been a really perfect match. But after two and a half years, it's, you know, we're really analyzing what is the growth of the business? What is the plan? And, um, you know, one person may be the expert on one side, the other on the other side, and you may have a difference of opinion. So right now, as we speak, you know, we, we both have slightly different, we believe that we both believe in the brand and we're both excited for the brand. Um, so it's but, a direction thing, like like the, she's kind of thinking it should go in. Is it a she? I don't know. I, yeah, it's a he. It's, it's a he. he. Oh, so yes. Is he thinking it needs to go in another direction? You know, it's not necessarily another direction, but it's the growth of the brand and where we see how we see this brand being positioned. You know, um, so we're we're it's it's a lot of conversations and um, you know a, a lot of research and a lot of really having to stand your ground and understand business plan and understand 
where we want to take this business long-term. You know, I have the trademark for both Molly and Lily handbags and Molly and Lily jewelry. And so in the last uh, six months, I've also launched Molly and Lily jewelry. And this is on my own with another manufacturing partner for jewelry. Um, so, you know, Molly and Lily handbags is, has been around longer Yes. Um, and this is really, this is what we are trying to figure out right now. You know, how, how are we going to grow this brand without really kind of sacrificing who we are? You right. know, because at the end of the day, to grow a brand, you know, we want to be profitable. We want to be profitable, but I also really want to make sure that we're authentic to what this brand is. Yeah. Well, that's, a, I think that's a problem that a lot of people might have in business, staying true to yourself, because as you grow and get bigger and you're making those decisions that a lot of times have a money bottom line, exactly. you tend to sometimes make a sacrifice or make a choice that you're not always the most happy with. So bravo for kind of standing your ground, at least for now, Joe, I'm going to have to hear more about this. Um, yes. Okay. So as a warrior mom, Miss Joe, what do you tell you know, Molly and Lily, your girls, what are you kind of hoping to inspire them? Like I, you know, I, you are such a go-getter. They can't help but learn from you, but how are you kind of inspiring them to leap for greatness and whatever they want to do? Well, I, I love this question because my husband and I are often saying this to them, you know, so we always tell them that they just need to do their best. Always do your best. But always do your best means you need to study, you need to prep, yeah, you need to prepare, do everything prepare. that goes. You need to prepare, yes. exactly. Yes. You know, and, and lately I've been telling the girls that, you know, our job, my husband and I, our jobs are to raise and nurture healthy, respectful, well-rounded daughters, right? Mm -hmm. So I tell them that's our job. And we like to remind them that their job is to be the best versions of themselves, that they need to be respectful people. They need to be good friends, you know, respectful daughter, sister, grandchild, whatever it may be, that that's their job. That's their job in life. They need to do that. And they need to, you know, their job is to, to just be the best versions of themselves. Yeah. yeah. Really. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I love that you, that you tell them your job and they know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we, just, we just break it down and simplify it. They get I met, it. I met a great dad at a, a parent meeting the other day and he was killing me. He said, I tell my kids I'm their ways. You know how Waze oh. finds the best <laughs> way for you to go and get to where you- Oh my God. Guess what? That. I'm your ways. And so I don't want to hear from you that you think you have a better way because I have the better way. Okay. That's amazing. I am going to steal that. That is so good. I love him. I love I, that. Dad. I literally was so dying true. laughing because I was like, that is true. That is a hundred percent true. It is a hundred percent true. Yeah, it's so, so anyway, good. You're, you're your daughter's ways. Uh, okay. We're now on to the speed round, Joe, my favorite part. Um, yes. What is a, a mantra or quote that you live by? Make it happen. Just make it happen. I love that is make it. it happen. I love that's a Mariah Carey <laughs> song that I, I love. Mean, <laughs> it, it is straight open. Pray to <laughs> make it happen. Yeah, girl. It is straight to the point, and I mean, we say that phrase so so much in this household. Just make it happen. Just yeah. do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, it's also no apologies, right? Like, yeah. you can't, don't wait for permission. You nope. can't apologize. Just make it happen. Whatever you need to do. Yeah. Yes. Love it. What about your idea? And I know I, I, I'm, I almost know what you're going to say for this lunch because I've been at many uh, yes. lunches with you. Oh, oh yes. Girl. Oh girl. What is your idea of the perfect lunch? Oh, well, you know, well, aside, you know, 
it goes without saying being with my girlfriends because we love our ladies lunches for sure. But would I order? Oh, yes. Um, A delicious salad, a side of fries and a glass or a couple of glasses of rosé. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Definitely. Exactly. And preferably by the ocean. Yes. Oh, yes. Of course. On the water. Nobu all the way. Yes. Nobu all the way. (laughs) Give Nobu a shout out. Um, Yes. What makes you feel unstoppable? I feel unstoppable when I feel on top of my game, which is really feeling balanced. It is eating right, getting enough sleep, exercise, and, you know, being involved with the kids and my husband and I getting along, you know, we're all here. We're present. It's so simple. I feel unstoppable when I have the weekends at home with my family and nothing to do. Yeah, which by the way is so hard to achieve these days because the sporting schedule alone is the dumbest thing in the world. I swear these practices killing me. I was so happy when my daughter was like, I'm not gonna do spring soccer. I was like, Bravo! Bravo for that choice. We're gonna oh, yeah. get Sundays back. Oh yeah. yeah. The sports, all the, the sporting events, the social events, the kids' social schedule, yeah. our social st- schedule. Yeah. So it is it's it's a rarity and it's novelty to be at home and and that's really where I feel at my best is where I feel grounded. Yeah. I love that too. Um, what, who do you most admire? I most admire my tribe of female friends. I will say, um, the mom friends, my girlfriends, my mom, my aunts, you know, all, all the women in my life that are making it happen, whether it is career wise or motherhood or doing it all, trying to trying to make it happen and trying to balance it all. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast. They were like, who are you going to get? Who are you going to talk to on this podcast? I said, are you kidding me? Just if I look in my friend group, alone, yeah. I have entrepreneurs, I have mother warriors. I have, I mean, I just, the, the depth and breadth of these women and what they have done in their chosen fields and what they are trying to do. It's so inspiring to me. So I could not agree more. I admire you so much. Look what you're doing. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. I love you, Joe. What is exciting you the most right now, Joe? You know, I would say what's exciting me the most is watching, raising the girls and really seeing them thrive. And then, you know, really being able to raise my other baby, my brand, Molly and Lily, really being able to do it both. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And what did they think about having a brand with their names on it? You know, in the beginning, they loved it so much. Now, I honestly think they just take it for granted. (laughs) (laughs) The novelty has worn off. The the novelty has worn off. No, they love it. It's very exciting. Um, They love it when they see their friends with Molly and Lily or if we're out and they see, you know, random people wearing Molly and Lily bags. Like it's, it's very cute. They are very proud and it's exciting. And, you know, and I love it that it's their namesake. And, and listen, fun. as they, as you know, the older they get, the more they will appreciate this in the future when they think about the fact that their mother did this and yes. named the line after them. That's all I can well, say. Well, I hope so. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Joe, for doing this. For And like for opening your heart and, and really being, you know, taking your mentoring of me and everyone, all, all our other friends and taking it onto the radio waves, podcast waves, so people can hear. So I oh appreciate my gosh. you. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I love this. I cannot wait to hear your show.
Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. And tell me, where can people get their Molly and Lily bags? Where are they going to go for this? So they can go straight to mollylily.com. Yes. Or Nordstrom has the best assortment. So Nordstrom.com, Molly and Lily handbags are available and Molly and Lily jewelry is now available at Nordstrom.com. Nordstrom? Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. And Every soon- time Joe has a necklace on, I try to rip it off her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you have some coming your way. I'm so oh, when am I seeing you? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm seeing you Thursday. Thursday. Yes. I'm going to see you. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thursday oh, I'm excited. Now I'm really excited. Thank yes. you so much, Joe. I love you so much. And thank you for being my first guest. Love you, Liz. Thank you for having me. Love you. Thank you for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week when we talk to another Warrior Woman. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. Positive reviews help us have more listeners. So we would really appreciate it. This is Conversations with Warrior Women. I'm Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story you just need to ask her. Bye, guys.